truly what a wonderful place to be. How great it is to be in the house of the Lord and be with those that love him and to hear the beautiful words that you express from your heart concerning him, our Lord and Savior. And truly that thrills my heart. This has been my life. I've served four churches most of my pilgrimage here in this world uh, from my time I got out of the service of the army until I was ordained shortly thereafter and been serving the church until my wife got where I she needed me more than I needed to travel and to be gone be gone so I gave it up and had the blessing of seeing young men come on and take my place. And so it's been great. It's been a wonderful trip. I've enjoyed the trip. I don't expect to go back over it. I'm looking forward to that day now when I can go home and live in that eternal city that place where I'll never grow old and where suffering and sorrow and all the heartaches can never come. But see my Lord, who has done so much for me and has brought me through many trial and difficult times till this very hour. So, I come before you thanking Brother Ronnie for the invitation to come and be with you and for you allowing my presence before you, trusting I have your prayers that God may be honored and glorified in my message to you. I trust it's from him, and I trust that it will be of benefit to you. I, this morning, if I have on my mind a desire, it would be that I might make you understand because many of my friends and some of my uh, professors in college, I took Bible in, under two different professors when I was in college, one at Wingate Junior College and one at State College. And I only seemed to know about the great doctrine of redemption they thought it was in order to eternal life, seemingly. But rather than it being in order to eternal life, it is the evidence of life. Only those who have eternal life can really uh, repent. Repentance is what I had in mind, not redemption. But repent. They can only repent. So, I want to go to the first uh, to the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles to get my message this morning <clears throat> because the day of, of uh, Pentecost had fully come. That was 50 days after the uh, atonement day. That was uh, 50 days later. And they were there from all nations around where the Jews had been captured and carried off as uh, slaves and as 
the victims of being conquered. And now they had gathered for the day of Pentecost. And they were all with one accord. And there was a sound that sounded like the wind, but it wasn't the wind. It was the Spirit of Almighty God coming into that their presence and showing his uh, ability to bless them in their coming. And so uh, on each of them, that is on the apostles, sat down not an unknown tongue, but another tongue. And only spiritual people can understand spiritual things. So they were not, this was not an unknown tongue, but they heard in their own tongue the wonderful works of God. You and I love to talk about the wonderful works of God, that he's done so much for you and I. We trust. And I think of the atonement that he made how wonderful that was that he would come from heaven to this earth and perform a work that no one could perform but he alone himself. And I think of the fact that while he had created us and we were good, created good, yet by the disobedience of one man, Sin fell upon all for whom he represented. And by the obedience of one man, uh, righteousness came to all that he represented. So, I want to talk to you about him, but I also want to talk to you about you and your obligation to him. So, as we begin to think of the fact that uh, I thought what a terrible situation was after he had created man and all the angels saw what was done and they wondered, what's going to happen now that man has sinned and brought shame and disgrace on the human race and death. Why, and I thought at one time, why didn't God just wipe them all off and start over? But he couldn't. Because he loved a people. And he had predestinated that they should be adopted into his family, brought into his family, and therefore he could not wipe off the, them off the face of the earth because of his love, that great, immortal, eternal love, that unconditional love, that love that was so strong and so great that he would even send his son from heaven to earth among those that he had created and yet they had disobeyed him. 
and brought death to their offspring. So we find that he, loving them, went to the cross and died for them, that is, those he loved. He said, I pray not in the 17th chapter of St. John, I pray not for the world, but for them thou givest me out of the world. Jesus had a people on the face of this earth that were yet sinners, and he died for those that he loved, that even though they were yet his enemies, they were without strength, they were uh, still sinners. You know, he went to the uh, Egypt. He had a people in Egypt before they had ever left Egypt. And he said, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. So God sent his son to bear the blood that would make death pass over you. That is eternal death. So, we see on the day of Pentecost they had met and they had great and wonderful news. Good news. And that news was the wonderful works of God that he had gone to the cross and died just for the unjust and that he had come out of the grave and gone home to heaven and immortal glory there to represent the objects of his love before the bar of justice to say, I died for them and they are mine and I, sh I shall not uh, repent from that. So, my friends <laughs> that I think are confused because I know that Repentance is not for the dead, but it's for the living because dead men can't do anything. They have no power. They are without strength, so they can't do perform any work. But the living can do, and they can repent. And they can move from where they are to some other place. And so, on the day of Pentecost, Peter was preaching to those Jews that had had bad leadership, that followed the wrong leaders, and they had called out for his crucifixion. And Peter said, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slayed him. So, oh, is that a condemnation? Certainly. He meant for them to know who it was that took his life. Who it was that called for him to be crucified. I realize as I think of his wonderful love, why would I want to see him 
crucified and dead. But I was, I, I, even though I was not there, I might have been just like them. I might have been in the same shape they were in, following the wrong leadership and crying out for the wrong thing. And so, when Peter began to tell them what you've done, they were pricked in their heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. But God says, I'll give them a new heart. They'll be circumcised in the heart. And that was done without hands. When God reached down to the objects of his love and took out that hard and stony heart, that, that when they were preaching on one occasion, they were cut to the heart. They were not pricked in the heart, but they were cut to the heart. They were made angry. And they were very upset that they were accusing them of taking his life. But these were humbled. The way of a child of God is first go down and then he'll go up. And so anyway, they went down and they cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? So there's some doing to do now. <laughs> and only the living can do. And so if you've been made alive, you ought to do what they did. If you haven't done it, you ought to do it. They cried out and said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter says, Repent. Now, God said that there in the eleventh chapter of Saint of eleventh uh, chapter of Roman letter, we're told that uh, the gospel, their enemies for your sakes, for the gospel's sake, but their love. For the election's sake. Now that's not all Israel. For all Israel are not of Israel. But that is those that he loved and died for. They're enemies for the gospel's sake. But they're beloved for the father's sake. For the election's sake. For uh, the gifts and callings of God or without repentance. wonder if Billy Graham knew that. If he read his Bible, he did. Because it's Bible. I didn't make it up. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He doesn't require them to repent. I believe there's repentance given to them in the sense that they realize that they have a conscience and that conscience that bears witness 
Even the Gentiles, when they did according to the things of the law, it testified to the fact that God had done a work in them. And so, your conscience bears witness to the fact that God has done something for you. First sermon I ever tried to preach, and I did it from the floor of uh, Lawyer Springs Church, I asked the question, and it will be found in the Corinthian letter, who hath made thee to differ from another? The religious world that I was attending before I found the old Baptist was teaching me that, I, that everybody was just alike. There was no difference. But there is a difference. And God made the difference. So that you're different from the world. You have something they don't have. And God implanted it in your heart. A love for God. And a love for his people. And a love for his doctrines. And a love for his practices. And even a love for his discipline. If he chastises me, it's because I'm his child. And I know I need it. Because I'm prone not to do what he told me to do. And I don't like that when I, I don't like it when I fail to do the things I should do to honor him and glorify him. So they cried out, men and brethren, what should we do? And Peter said, repent. So after they were pricked in their heart, realized that they were following the wrong people and doing the wrong things, they wanted to do what God enjoined them to do and they, to tell you what a big crowd was there, can you imagine now these, I guess it was 120 that had been baptized and these apostles had been baptized, but there were 3,000 that were baptized and added to the church in this particular meeting. So they did what God had told them they should do. He said, everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, and I believe I'm talking to a people that cry that out. I believe everyone in this house has somewhere along the way said, Lord, Lord, please deliver me. You want him to do what you want him to do. But then when it comes to you doing what he said for you to do, Joe, I'm talking to Joe, you're careless and slow and unheeding to do what he told you to do. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, 
shall do, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. My wife and I had a problem with this one verse because <laughs> we didn't understand the kingdom of heaven and the difference between it and eternal heaven. She was brought up by her mother in the beginning in the Presbyterian church. And I was brought up on a horseback on Sunday afternoon riding with some of my friends and so I didn't go to church all that much even though my daddy and mother were members of the Primitive Baptist Church. And I should have taken more interest and more heed in my youngest days. But I didn't. But anyway, I didn't understand the difference between heaven and the kingdom of heaven. And I couldn't explain it to my wife. And she said, you see there, you have something to do. You, do the will, you have to do the will of God in order to enter heaven. But soon, <laughs> my first trip looking for the Primitive Baptist Church was when I was in service. And I went up and down the road looking for a building that I thought the Primitive Baptist met at, and I couldn't find that building. But I found a man under the hood of his car working on his car on Sunday morning. Not Sunday morning, it was in the weekday. And uh, he was a policeman in the city of Petersburg, Virginia. And I said, I don't know what you, where you know what I'm talking about or not, but I'm going to ask you. I'm looking for a primitive Baptist church, and I've been up and down this road, and I haven't seen anything that looked like one. Do you know anything about them, and could you help me? Let me call my wife. He went to the door and called her to come out, and he said, you tell my wife what you told me. I said, me and my wife, she was in the car with me. We're looking for a printed Baptist church. I know there's some in Virginia. I know old mill church in Norfolk, uh, in Danville, Virginia, that uh, the preacher used to come and preach for us at Lawyer Springs. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. She looked at me with a grin on her face and said, there's preaching here at my house tonight. That's how I learned about the kingdom of heaven from a man, God man sent to teach me about God had a place on this earth that he called the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And I want to attend that because I'm a stranger here. And I found true friends in the state of Virginia that I'll never forget that took me under their wing and carried me about over the state of Virginia to different 
old Baptist churches and what a joy and what a privilege it was that we had. We had such a wonderful good time among those people. Then Jesus asked this question. He said, why call you me Lord and do not the things I said to you? Well, he told these people that all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified and taken with wicked hands have made him both Lord and Christ. What's Christ mean? Christ means God's anointed to put away sin. I want to ask you a question. This is a sincere question that I like to ask my friends. He shall save his people from their sins. Can everybody in this house tell me who the he is that single person? Is that multiple people? Is that uh, the church? <laughs> Who is that? He. If you know, don't let a man tell you that he's got to have help. He means one. Alone. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he's due all the honor for your eternal and everlasting life. Are you persuaded that you're going to give it to him and him alone? Are you going to send your money to somebody that's telling you that he's got to have help? And he's got to fill up heaven with the help of that particular individual or other individuals. I'm going to stand on the ground that it's him and him alone. And I believe I'm right. I believe I know that he alone deserves the praise and the honor and the thanksgiving. So, I'll go to the Old Testament. I want to go to Hosea. And I find in the book of Hosea, in the very first chapter, that he says, I have a controversy. I'm in Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. <laughs> and uh, this was his people, Israel. God told them through the prophet Hosea that he had a controversy with them. What is the controversy that he has with them, uh, I think of our great nation and how that at one time the doctrine of predestination, the doctrine of 
effectual calling and all of that was held all over this land. And now look how few of us they are that's standing for those great principles. My people, he says, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Where are they getting their knowledge from? Somebody's mailing it to the churches from somewhere else. They're not using his book. They're using somebody else's book. And they're listening to the wrong leadership. So what a shame. What a disgrace. What did he say about uh, Ephraim? He says, Ephraim has mixed himself with the people. Ephraim, who should have been a child of God that was serving God, has mixed himself with the people. And he's a cake unturned. Cooked on just one side. How many people today are trying to walk just one side of the thing, of the truth? They don't know the truth, so he tells, so, so Jose says in his book, they don't know the truth. And there is no truth in, among the land. What a sad picture for God's people that they don't know the wonderful works of God, how he has adopted them, how he has redeemed them, how he shed his blood for them, how he rose victorious over the grave for them. Let me read uh, from... Uh, Hosea, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. I, not they, not we, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O oh, death, I'll be thy plague. O oh, grave, I'll be thy destruction. The destruction. Repentance. God will not repent from what he said he would do. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. He can repent, but he's not going to repent. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. So Jesus is going to do his will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand nor say, Why doest thou? In the fourth chapter of the Philippian letter,
He says, This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly. Wait a minute, this is Timothy I'm reading from. I want to read from Philippians. Let me get it. Here it is. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain under the resurrection of the flesh of the dead, not as though I had already attained to it, already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. The high calling, brethren, I count not myself have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching unto those things which are before. So he's telling us, let me go down to the fourth chapter. And the grace of God, which passes understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of good report, these are any or any virtue, if therefore any praise think on these things. He also tells us that He's given a name that is above every name that is named under heaven or among men and that every knee should bow before him and every one should confess unto his name that he is Lord. No man can say that Jesus is the Lord, though, but by the Holy Spirit of God. If you ever confess to him, Lord, it's the evidence you're a child of God, been born of his spirit, and one day will rejoice in his eternal presence forever. I'm going to come to a close, and I hope I have brought you something that will be a benefit to you in days to come. And may God bless Union Grove Church and all of our churches that are serving the Lord and giving him the honor and the glory and the praise that's due his name.